Mr. Pop. Haven't you got some sort of OBE or MBE or? No, I've got I've got the VIP membership to Hollywood shows. Oh, that's right. Now you've got an OAM, Brian. What's that? Overrated Asian musician. <laughs> This is Rock and Roll, your weekly shot of sport and music with Kevin Hillier, Brian Mannix and Mark Fine. Evening everyone, welcome to uh, Rock and Roll. Now it's a bit of a test this uh, this uh, particular edition to work out what postcode everyone's coming from and what time zone everyone's coming from because we're all in different time zones and postcodes. Brian Mannix is with me. Live from the penthouse on the Gold Coast. Yes, it's uh, six pm here at uh, at uh, Surfios Patadicios, and um, weather's been a bit crap the last few days too. I might add, fellas, but that might make you feel better. Oh no, beautiful, beautiful days in uh, in Melbourne and Victoria. I can tell you that. And by what I can see, the blue sky I can see behind Mark Fine's head, it's a beautiful day in Adelaide where he is. Yeah, Gawler River, South Australia, out out in the bush a bit. Um, and my great friend Angela Modra's Greyhound property, so you might hear a few dogs barking during the show. But uh, yeah, beautiful day and enjoying it. Six thirty PM, it is here. Beautiful. Yes, we're all in different time zones. I'm in a beautiful downtown Inverloch, uh, where it's seven o'clock. Uh, cup Eve. Uh, uh, now, let me go through. By the time this goes to where Cup, the couple have been running one. So by the time people get to hear this, it'll be run and done. Is Cup Day a big day for you, finally these days? It's so small, I can only tell you two horses that are in the race, Gold Trip and Vow and Declare. Wouldn't know any other. <laughs> yep. What about you, Brian? Are you, got a, are you off to a luncheon or a, uh, some sort of soiree there on the Gold Coast tomorrow? I've seen posters up about it around town, you know, Melbourne Cup Day here. And it's only just like an hour ago that I realised it's Melbourne Cup tomorrow. Um, so it's clearly not as big a deal up here as it is in Melbourne, the venues you know, catering Melbourne Cup lunches and stuff. But I didn't know that that was tomorrow. I thought it might be next week. I'd... So it's not as an, a pressing urgency in Queensland as it is in Melbourne, I suggest. Yeah, it used to be. It used to be really big. I remember I remember doing a couple of massive Cup Day functions even when I was working up there in the early part of the 80s. So it was big. But maybe maybe it's just tailed oh, off a it, little. It's still, it's still got stuff going on. But if you want to compare it to Melbourne... You know, they still got the grand final parade and they're just Melbourne Cup Eve and just got the holiday and it's just a far bigger deal in Melbourne. And it's still of note here, but it's not, you know, it's probably about it's not quite as big a state of origin. Right. Now, with the, to the tune of dun-dun-dun-dun, how's, uh, how's the tat looking, Brian? And I said yes, how's the tat looking, Brian, not how's the tat looking, Finey? Oh, look. Fantastic, kids. Chicks are going wild. I can see what Finey's been on. Hang on, you've stood up and we've lost you. Finey said to me, is it real? I said, of course it's real. It'll take at least a week to wash off. But um, you know you've had a good night when you you wake up the next morning and you've got a strange tattoo on your arm and you bought a electronic horse that jogs around your house. And that's <laughs> where I found myself the other morning. So... Um, the tat looks good. Uh, Casey thinks I look ten percent tougher and cooler in it, um, but um, you know I think it's um, it's a temporary uh, fixture. But um, yeah, it just goes to show don't get 
go, go shopping when you're drunk. Can I ask a question? What's the, can you explain the horse? Oh, hang on, hang What's on. the horse? Can you stand still for five seconds too? People who are listening to this, you have no idea what Finey and I go through when Brian does this because he walks laps of his house while we're recording it and it makes – I get motion sickness. My, oh, sorry, my phone – Headphones fell out. I don't know how much you heard of what. Okay. Heard. Now, well, no, we heard we heard that you bought you bought some sort of electronic horse. What the hell's that? Oh, he's a beauty. Um, I was there was the market there, and he was tied to a little pole, and he was just trotting around. I'll show you, Kev. Here he goes. Yeah. Oh, it's a little tiny windy, but oh, okay. <laughs> he's a beauty. Oh, Jesus he's uh, trotting around. Like, yeah. I can remember. I can remember when I used to drink that much too, Brian. It's 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 sad. Yeah, well, <laughs> don't go shopping when you're drunk. That's exactly, the message. Exactly right. You haven't bought a little uh, little horse ornament while you've been there, or a little greyhound ornament while you're at the Madras uh, greyhound uh, establishment. There, have you, Finey? No, I haven't. But I have got a new tattoo. Do you want to see it? I oh, know here we that. here we go. What have we got now? Oh, hello. The shirt's coming off. I'm. Oh, it's on your dick. Oh, hello. Right? Oh wow, he's got he's got the world's great longest snake in the middle of his stomach. Is that what that dragon. is? A dragon. Big, wow. That's not a, that's not a tattoo, kid. <laughs> oh, geez, that'll look at. That's um that's some serious work you got hanging going on there, Mister Fine. Yeah, 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 it goes right down. I'll take your pants off. Oh, here we go. Oh, no, don't be doing that. No, no. There we go, Brian. It's hard to tell where well, the dragon finishes and uh, Finey starts, really, isn't it? It's sort of. Well, grey area. Good on you, good on you, Chopper. That's fantastic. <laughs> I am. I am. What you need now? You need a sawn-off shotgun just to go with the cat now. <laughs> I, I am we can look get, at your ears. I am getting fed income. Let me tell you that you are. You are going to be. You are the. You're Rod Steiger in progress. That's what you are. The illustrated man. Now, I wanted. I want to just get a little bit of business out of the road before we get to a couple of important things. One, finey. Last week, uh, Kenny Francis stood in beautifully and uh, and did a terrific job. We did, and we'll we'll we'll, yep. we'll see how we go with this one for this week. But last week we did first kiss, first car, first job, and I ask you to give us a microwave version of those three things. Start with your first kiss. Oh, it was great. It was about eight or nine years old. Beautiful girl called Fleur Elijah. I think that was my first kiss, and then shortly afterwards, Leanne Groch. Mm. I kissed her in the swimming pool at. At a party, and they were playing "Sailing in the Background" by Rod Stewart. <laughs> it was the first time I realised that girls are tasty, and I must have been nine years old. And I'll tell you what, it's a um, I've had a hankering ever since. Yes, I can imagine. Uh, and uh, and good luck to Leanne. Uh, now, uh, your first car, Finey. What what was the first car you purchased? Uh, good story. The first car. We had a we had a, a, a sort of distant relative had a car yard down the golden mile of cars on the P and Highway. It was a little used car lot, and this bloke, Uncle Sam, he was as dodgy as all get out. And between him and my father, who didn't want to put too much money into it, they convinced me. They put me into a lime green Datsun Stanza, <laughs> nicknamed. Nicknamed the Frog. I had it for two or three years, and it was—I uh, remember the number plate BTG one two eight, and it was rough as guts. But it stood out in the crowd because the stanzas came in on colours: orange. Anyhow, this was the this was the lime green. It was putrid. 
<laughs> so they were a pretty ordinary vehicle from memory. I have a mate who had an orange one of those, and they were a pretty yeah. ordinary car. Yeah, they went. They got you from A to B in the most unfashionable manner. Yeah, but they went forever. They never, like, they never died. Yeah, they yeah, were most, yeah, one of the most yeah, reliable cars a man ever put breath into. I will say this: that it, it, when I outgrew it, and I got a, I started working, and I bought a Celica, and from that point on, I've really enjoyed my cars. But it, it didn't die on me. I simply, you know, put it to pasture. Yeah. But it certainly could go. It could go, but it, it was, um, you know, some cars are kick magnets. I would describe this as a, as a kick repellent. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, now, your first job, what was your first paid job? First paid job was indoor cricket umpire. Oh, there you go. My boss was Marabin Indoor Cricket Centre. My boss was Gary Cozier. Um. And it was a great job. I also played indoor cricket and, yeah, it was really good. Gary Cozier is the man responsible for hitting me for the biggest six I've ever been hit for. When, oh, yeah. I, when I propelled a ball right. towards another human being, I've never had it go back past me faster, higher or longer than the day at the Gapper when Gary Cozier decided to pin his ears back and whack one over my head. By jeez, I thought A, I was going to die because I thought if it got within a foot of me, um, the sheer power of it would take me into the back of the grandstand and it fed him nearly cleared the uh, the big stand at the Gabba. He, my God, he monstered it. I bowled him out for golden duck, yes. Yeah, well, of course you did. Yeah, bit of off spin, he didn't have a clue. <laughs> yeah. he, could, he could give it some tap. Oh, he was amazing. A lovely, lovely man, Gary Cozier. Yeah, yeah, great bike. Now, all right. Well, that's I'm, I'm pleased we uh, we caught up with the, your first kiss car and job. We might get to the other stuff later if we if we have time. If not, we'll hold it over till next week. Now, I've got to get to the most important part of the program for for tonight, and that is the finalisation. And finally, I've got to bring you up to speed with what's happened with the footy tips. This oh, is this oh. is controversy after controversy after oh. controversy. Yep. Because as and finally missed last week, I had to uh, had to change the scores because uh, the results I gave for one particular game uh, huge ramifications. They only put the result up yep. in the final scores of the game as it was at the end of the second quarter, not the end of the game. And in fact, yep. Hawthorne did not win by a point. Richmond won that game, so we had to rejig. And in the rejigging, Brian's exalted top uh, position uh, was short lived. He was uh, relegated yep. to second. But then uh, last week's tips were added in, and Brian finished up at the uh, at the end of last week being on top again. So he did. Well, not again. I won't say again. Being on top for the first time. So with one yeah. round to go, yeah, Brian Brian's on top on fifty one. Finally, you're on fifty, and I'm on forty nine. So it all comes yep. down to the last round. Let's go through oh, the really? games. Gold Coast versus Essendon. Gold Coast won, and everybody picked the Gold Coast. Yeah. So, Brian, you jumped to 52. Farney, 51. I go to 50. Yep. Western Bulldogs versus North Melbourne. I'm feeling a bit Gillan McLaughlin doing this. Western Bulldogs versus North Melbourne. Western Bulldogs got flogged. Not an unusual occurrence during this AFLW season. But both Brian and Farney both picked North Melbourne. So, Brian, you go to 53. Farney, you go to 52. I stay on 50. Next game, Port Adelaide and GWS. 
Port Adelaide won this game. Brian, you picked them. Oh, God. So you go to 54. Finey, you stay on 52. I picked Port Adelaide, so I jumped to 51. Oh, God. The next game is Hawthorne versus Geelong. Finey, you picked the Cats and they won, so you go to 53. I picked the Cats. They won. I go to 52. Brian, you picked Hawthorne. You stay on 54. Melbourne versus – who did Melbourne play? Where is this on this piece of paper? I can't find it now. Uh, Melbourne played Brisbane, top of the uh, ladder uh, game, this one. And Brisbane won. And nobody picked them. So, Brian, you stay on 54. Finally, you stay on 53. And I stay on 53. Now, here's where another controversy clicks in. For some reason, I was distracted during last week's game and the West Coast Eagles and Adelaide game, nobody got tips. So we didn't we didn't mention the game, so no one gets that one. Everyone would have picked Adelaide anyway. So I'm not particularly, uh, you know, concerned about that being controversial. Uh, now we go to Carlton versus St Kilda. Finey, you pick St Kilda and they won. You go to 54. Brian, you picked Carlton. And they lost. You stay on 54. Uh I pick St Kilda. I go to 53. Uh Uh-oh. So with two games remaining, it's... Anything could happen. It's Brian on 54. I'm building the tension here. I've got that, uh, that, you know, I should have that Eddie McGuire music in the background. Brian's on 54 and I'm on 53. Two games to go. Anyone can win this. Collingwood versus Richmond. Do you remember who you picked, Brian? I think I picked the Pies. You did, and they lost. Ah, oh, they're a joke. I've always hated the Pies. I also now picked I the why. Pies. No, oh, no. So I stay on 53, you stay on 54. Finally, you picked the Pies. We have one game to go. Oh, God. I can tell you one person on the panel picked the winner of the last game. Fremantle versus Sydney. I hope it was you. Fremantle versus Sydney. I think it was. I went for Fremantle. Oh, no. Fremantle versus Sydney. Brian, you went for Fremantle. Yes. You stay on 54. I stay on 53. Fremantle versus Sydney. Finey, you picked Fremantle. Kenny picked the Swans. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you picked the Swans. <laughs> Kenny picked the Swans. So it's a tie. You both on fifty four. You beat me by one. So I'm third, and uh, we have a uh, a dual crowning of the uh, the AFLW <laughs> Tipsters for the year. So, I disagree. Oh, I disagree. Oh, hang on. Now he's see even more controversies being laid onto this. I told you this was big. Mm-hmm. Out of some misguided sense of loyalty, Kevin picked <laughs> Bulldogs ten times. Should be eight up on the rest of it. <laughs> Correct. Uh, well, you know, you do Brian, what you do. Brian, we got shit on, to be honest. Well, yeah. Um, but it was you exciting. You've got to give it to us. That was a good comp. That was a good well, comp. Gotta, well, we can yeah, keep going take- in the finals. Yes, we can. And we will. All right. We have the finals right here, and we have the first of the finals Saturday, first qualifying final, 
is in Adelaide at Nord Oval. Adelaide take on the Brisbane Lions. Brian, you can lead this off by telling me who you think will win that one. Well, Brisbane are in top form, so I'll go for Brisbane. Brisbane, finding Adelaide. I'm with you. I'm going Adelaide as well. Brisbane are very good, but I think... Is this a new comp or adding on to the old one? No, we're adding on. Yeah, because it's finished so close. The other one, we we did a new comp in the other one because there was such a disparity between first and everybody else that we needed to actually have something with some interest. But because there's only one between the three of us, we'll go, we'll add it on. Uh, First Brian, I want to tell you something, Brian. Mm. If we have to go... AFLM, that's AFL for monkeys. This competition <laughs> keeps going until you finish last. <laughs> uh, first elimination final is on uh, Saturday at Heritage Bank o- uh, Stadium, Colossum, Coliseum, whatever it is up there on the Gold Coast, and the Gold Coast Suns will take on the Swans. Brian? Gold Coast. The Suns, the daughters, as you lovingly call them. Finey? Yeah. I'm going to go for Sydney. Oh, okay. Yeah, me too. Um, Sunday, the two games on Sunday, the elimination final. The second one is between Geelong and Essendon at GMHBA Stadium. I'll go the Cats, Finey. Cats, 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 Cats. And Mr. Mannix? Geelong or Essendon? Stuff the Cats. I oh, know, they've got another home ground game for them. Well, that's Jeez, how it works right if you that. finish above the other team on the ladder. Oh, they played there last week. Well, you that know. was part of the anyway, home away. The bombers, the bombers, the bombers are going to say, no, enough is enough, Cat. You can put me off. And here is a really tough one to pick. The second qualifying final is Melbourne and North Melbourne. Melbourne got uh, touched up last week. I've liked North all year. I'm going to go for North. Finey, Melbourne or North Melbourne? Melbourne. And Mr. Mannix. Yeah, I'll go for Melbourne too, thanks. Melbourne. Yeah. Right, there you go. So uh, that's the uh, the footy tipping. That's how it's finished in controversial circumstances, as it always does. World Cup cricket. Oh, wee. Gee whiz. I'll tell you what, I'm loving watching the Indians play. I'm not particularly fond of watching anyone else, but, Jesus, the Indians are good. Yeah, they're brilliant. They can feel – I swear, if they, they could field four teams that would finish top four in this comp. No, they're very, very good. Off my hat to them. Look, Australia's fought back pretty well. Yeah. yeah. They'll, make the, they'll make the top four, but no, the Indians are good. I mean, Afghanistan's good. And could sneak yeah. in. Yeah, amazing. Yep. Amazing. Yep. Uh, uh, England, uh, I'm sure you're both uh, incredibly sad and uh, and uh, distraught and, uh, and uh, traumatised by uh, the demise of the reigning champions of the competition finding. I'm sure they'll all get handed knighthoods for finishing second last (laughs) last or whatever. Yeah, they did too, didn't they? They all got knighthoods for winning the Ashes or something, didn't they? Um, Brian, are you uh, you upset? Are you, uh, you know, going to send back your OBE? My OBE? Haven't you got a, haven't you got some sort of OBE or MBE or No, I've got I've got the, the gold class card VIP membership to Hollywood show. Oh, girls, that's right. That's what it was. But no Order of Australian Medal, no nothing. Well, I reckon you and Johnny Best probably have share a couple of cards at different venues. He strikes me as a bloke who'd be hanging out at one of those. Now you've got an OAM, what? Brian. What's that? Overrated Asian musician. <laughs> 
I don't think I'm overrated. I think I'm probably no. I, I, I didn't want no. I didn't want overrated. That's not fair. No, overrated's wrong. To ever set foot on this Australian continent. No, I, I actually I retract overrated. That's not fair because I've, in fact, I used to under. I would say overall I've underrated you. Like if if you would have asked me five years ago, tell me about Brian Maddox's music, I would have said, take it, probably leave it. But since we've yeah. done the podcast, I've listened to a bit of it, and I reckon you. <coughs> I, reckon, I, reckon, I, reckon, I reckon you're a decent horse with a bad jockey. You should that <laughs> that band could have had more. That not I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about your management. That band could have had more hits. Well, thank you for finding that fine. Um, we rode a big wave and we rode it light from the shore, so um, I'm happy with that. Hey, Mano, can I ask you a serious question just for one moment? Yeah. Okay. Now, we've had to talk about it on a couple of things, but I don't think we've done anything publicly. The Mushroom 50th anniversary concert and uh, event is coming up. Are, are you on it yet? No, no. Um, You're still not on it's it. It's called 50. It's called 50 Years, so you'd think, oh, if only we had one of our biggest bands that had a song called 50 Years, that might tie in. But um, so they're revving up in the streets and surfaces at the moment. Now, you, did, um, you, didn't, do, no. you didn't do the 10th, did you? You did, you did, the, did you do the 20th and the 25th or whichever one that one was? Uh, that was the Rockwood one. I think Scotty did that. Yeah, okay. And he got paid for that. But then... Now, this is what I'm told, so let's not get sued over this. This is what I am told. Yep. But they've basically only gone for Melbourne Act, so I'm no longer a Melbourne Act. Oh, right. But because um, they're too tight to fly me down. But there's three Mushroom Acts that I know that have been asked to do it, and they've been asked to do it for nothing. Now, we're charging 150 bucks a ticket. They've got about 20 sponsors, and you're asking bands to get up and sing one of their songs at your celebration and do it for nothing. I, if that's right, and I'm have no reason to believe that it's not. Um, I think that's pretty friggin' appalling. Yeah, that, um, that's uh, that's very strange. I must um, admit. Yeah, but, you know, I'm sure Jimmy Barnes and Ian Michael and Paul Kelly will be getting paid, but rather than Jimmy Barnes getting his normal 200 grand, he'll probably do it for 50. Um, but, yeah, I, yeah, look, you know, well, well, you know, that's their choice and that's fine, but, um, you know, it really looks like it's being a V to promote their newer act that nobody gives a shit about. I would have and, thought they might have even done a fan base thing where they asked people to jump online, which would, which would be he- heavily skewed towards the younger part of the of the label, but get people to, you know, say, okay, who would you like to see at the Mushroom well, 50th? Do you want to see – because Skyhooks aren't on it, which is the most glaring thing that the first thing I noticed was that they aren't on it. Well, you can't do Skyhooks probably, but you could get Bongo's thing up. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Up. You could get Bongo's thing yeah, and maybe get Red and, and Greg to do an appearance. Pay a tribute to it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, look, it all seems a bit sort of shabby to me. That, you know, once again, well, where's it on actually? I'll be honest and tell you, Brian, I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming. Yeah, but, but, uh, it, or like that. Well, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, as you know, my first day at 3XY was the 10th anniversary one in 1982, um, or the end of 1981. Uh, no, start of 1982. Um, and that was at the My Music Bowl and that was absolutely mm. enormous. That was massive. Yeah, I headlined that, I think. 
The eighty two one? Uh no, not eighty two wouldn't yeah. no. No, you would have done uh, you would have done the one that I think was the for the twentieth year in which would have been ninety two. No, I don't think no, it, no, I didn't do that. No, I did one, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah. But um yeah, like you got hundred and fifty bucks a head, you probably got fifteen thousand people going. Minimum. And hundred and fifty bucks a head. You got twenty sponsors. And um, you're asking fans to get up and work for nothing. Wow. That's not yeah. normal code of practice. I wouldn't have thought. But uh, anyway, I stand to be corrected, but that's my mail. Well, it would be normal code of practice if you're doing it for the firefighters or for the, you know, for the emergency services people fund or something like that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Sure, but there's no charity involved. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's This is a money-making venture and... You know, it's a pat on the back and let's make some money out of it at the same time. And um, stuff the artists have got us there or they can just play for nothing because, you know, you know, they should be honoured to be on that stage. Well, you know, yep. I think a lot of you don't look at it that way anymore. A bit old to be sucked in by that shit. And I, and I think so. there might be a band that we mentioned that don't do anything if there's not a fee involved and I, I can't say I blame them for some of the things that they've asked to do. Anyway, that's a, that's yeah. a bit of a surprise. Um, well, there you go. Yep. All right. I just wanted to cover that off. So as we uh, we got that now, I've, I will tell you this is this is good news. There's no deathalizer this week. Oh, fantastic! It's getting a sore throat. <laughs> Sorry, funny. Let's kill someone. Let's kill somebody. <laughs> we start doing sacrifices on the show, so I was thinking actually maybe we could do a best of the deathalizer. Oh, no, you I know, don't. Think so. of the best deaths that we've had to report upon. No. But what we will do in its in its place this week, what we will do is get uh, the Brian Mannix review of uh, what is being called the last Beatles song ever. Mm, probably does come under the death of life. No, don't be like that. Um, now, Brian, it's called Now well, and Then. Two of the two of the band are dead, so yeah. Yes, I'm I'm, I'm aware of that. Mm. And one of them's been in, uh, just finished uh, where you are on the Gold Coast on the weekend, finished his Australian tour up at the age of 81. Uh, the other live member of the band is still. Sunday morning. Uh, the, the other live member of the band is still uh, gigging around the world with these all star bands. So Ringo and Paul are very much a- and contributed to this song. And they use the, uh, the modern technology to be able to bring John's vocal back. Uh, from a, a demo from 1978 or something, and uh, some guitar parts of George that they were able to isolate, some sly guitar bits, and they put it all together and come up with this song. And is it any good, Brian? Um, well, okay. I think to have a new Beatles song is always good. Um, this is not a good Beatles song. Um, you know, and, and you know, look, it all starts with the song. And, you know, they've got limited songs to work with because you've got to get something that John's done on the cassette player. And <clears throat> my problem with this song is, look, you know, it's okay. It's not terrible. Um, but let's start with the lyrics. You know, John Lennon wrote some of the greatest lyrics ever. And now he's just resorting to this, I love Yoko or I love Paul or whatever the friggin' hell he's talking about. But they're lyrics that you just sort of, when you're stoned and you're banging out a tune, you know, you just sing whatever pops in your head, but that becomes the lyric, you know, like for John Lennon to go, I know it's true, it's all because of you, you and true. Come on, John, you're better than that. Um, one of the big problems for me was 
it opens as a minor chord. And that's a really sad sounding, it sounds depressing. And normally the Beatles don't use minor chords, but they use them cleverly, not at the start of the song. So this is a bit of a dirge. It sounds depressing. Um, and to me, it sounds more like a John Lennon solo song, which is totally understandable, or a Ringo solo song. George isn't there to sing, so you've got Paul and Ringo singing, and Ringo's got that deep, pretty shit-out voice. And <laughs> it just sounds like a solo record rather than a Beatles record. But there's more. They've got, they've got some nice little Beatle bits. Paul does a couple of little bass runs that I think are really good. Um, but it sounds like the Beatles are really tired. And the Beatles never sounded like they were tired. Even, you know, Eleanor Rigby, which is a sad song, you know, there's some furious cello and um, that string quartet. They're doing some pretty furious stuff behind it. You know, there's a, a juxtaposition with the music and the and the, the vocal thing. This is everything depressing. Um, and I think that really they could have sped the whole thing up about four or five beats per minute. Um, they should have put some more instrumentation into it. I was really disappointed because I saw that Giles Martin, who's George Martin's uh, son, um, organised the string arrangement for them. They didn't tell the string people that it was for a Beatles record. Yeah. But it's a pretty mundane string arrangement compared to what George Martin would have done, where he'd give it some rhythm and stuff. It's just sort of plodding along with this dire thing. I think that, look, it's, it's, Great is the new Beatle record, um, but I think that um, they should have got Jeff Lynne to produce it. It sounds like it sounds like a part in Act Two of a musical theatre, you know, where somebody's really sad just before the good stuff happens. But yeah, I just, look, you know, I, I'm happy to hear it. But at the end of the day, it was a shit demo by John Lennon. They tarted it up as best they can. But Paul McCartney's not the producer that Jeff Lynne is. I think Real Lava, I had listened to Real Lava and Free as a Bird and Savo. And there's still that sort of energy and vibe that the Beatles had. This one doesn't. This sounds like John Lennon on Smack, and, you know, which he was um, probably when he did this. And it's pretty mundane and basic. Um, I love the fact they've got a new song, but this is. Possibly their worst song since "Till There Was You." Yeah, well, the reason that it, it's not, you know, it wasn't on the albums when they were all together and all that. So it's obviously a song that that either was submitted and knocked back, or was never submitted and just recorded as a as a demo, as you say. So, uh, yeah, interesting. I, I mean, I kind of liked it, but I didn't. I wouldn't wouldn't jump up and down about its existence. I'm, I'm happy, like you, I'm happy it's, it, it, it exists, but, uh, yeah, it didn't get too carried away. Have you heard it finally at all? No, 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 it sounds, sounds like it's shit out, so I'm not going to bother. Yep, okay. <laughs> Look, in saying that, I didn't think Real Love was a great song when I No, neither did I. But now I quite often listen to it, and I listen to it just before, and I go, yeah. And I think one of the things about it is that on Beatles records, you can't really tell what John's playing or what George is playing. It's just this mulch of sound and it becomes its, its own thing. You don't have separation. Here's the guitar, here's the bass, here's that. It's just this thing. 
And I think on real love, they got that. But on this one, there's so much separation. You can hear that she's that acoustic guitar playing is not real great. And the piano playing is pretty ordinary as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they forgot what a Beatles record sounds like. Well, that was the problem with the vocal was not for, for so many years until recent times until Peter Jackson did that thing. They couldn't separate the vocal from the piano. Every time they tried to bring the vocal up, the piano would drown it, would, would come with it. Yeah. So they, because of the way technology works now and you can separate it and suppress and do all that stuff, they were able to actually get the vocal on its own. But, but once they got the vocal, they didn't have to be a slave to the tempo that John had played it with. Yeah, it's interesting. I, d- I thought could of that. Have sped that up. They could have sped that up a bit. And then, you know, if you listen and say, please, please me or help, um, those are, help especially, it's a fairly sad song. But the way they play it, they play with energy and vibrance. And they could have done the same with this, but they forgot what being a Beatle is about. Yep, it's amazing how many songs with really sad lyrics. No one knows they're sad because they were done as an up-tempo song. There's a there's a million yeah. songs about all sorts of relationship um, disasters and uh, you know and really sad situations and and death even um, in mm. songs that you don't pick up because it's a da 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 da. You know, okay, well, it's a happy well, song. Born in the Born in the USA is one of those. Yeah, you know. So yep. anyway, they could have. I think they could have taken a different approach and Jeff Lynn would have been there. Yeah. Anyway, good on them. And, um, you know, I don't think there's anything left unrecorded because with the Beatles, everything they wrote got recorded. Um, Well, given that Paul's Paul's concerts have been such a massive success, I'm I'm assuming that that they're being recorded and we'll hear them as a live album at some stage, this this, um, current tour, if hasn't been done already. Everything I'm hearing is that he just sounds fantastic and the band and everything, it works really well. Everything sounds brilliant. Well, Kenny Francis came and gave me a visit on uh, Sunday morning on the worst day in Gold Coast history, (laughs) weather-wise, and he raved about the concert, said that he was singing really, really well um, and was still knocked out. He played Junior Slam because that's his favourite. But, yeah, great reports from Kenny. Um, Yeah. Thing to the three of them, so well done, well done, Paul McCartney. Good stuff. Hey, hey, finally, why are you in Adelaide? Just a break uh, for the family and a uh, chance to catch your breath while the Renos are going on? Yeah, no, the wife's here, my daughter Harper's here. We're visiting our great friend Angela Modra. So, yeah, just a bit of a break. Not open Monday today and tomorrow off. So, with the Renos getting done, we thought we'd take a few days off, come up here. Very nice. Good idea. Um, and I have to say, the photo of uh, of Brian with the tat on the arm, uh, which he sent to both you and I on uh, on uh, the, the, on the telephone. Um, your your daughter made a very poignant comment about what Brian looked like with that tattoo. Yeah, well, what was that? She did. Shall I read it out? Yeah. Well, go on. <laughs> it's not that bad, Brian. You buffhead. I'll just accept expecting the worst, and then hopefully it'll be less. No, it's not actually. It's not actually uh, uncomplimentary. No, that's good. Let's hear it. It's I'm, just, I'm trying to find it. Yeah. Well, my daughter Harper said you look like a surface paradise kind of guy. Oh yeah, well that's yeah. fair enough. Well, that's you got to tattoo up here. Um, yeah. Probably should have lots of muscles. Because there's gins and tattoo parlors all over the joint, but uh, yeah, yeah. okay, I'll cop that. Yeah, yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's not that's not that's all right. All 
All right. Uh, no death lies. So let's get let's get to our topic this week, which is first. Uh, we're, we're continuing the firsts this week. First album, first time you got drunk, and the first pet that you had. Okay. So, okay. so finally, you can start. Uh, do you, which one do you want to start with? I'm going to start with first album. Beautiful. Now. I, I, I never bought albums, you see. Which is why when I, I sent bought, the text, I said album or single, whichever one works for you No, most. no, 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 because I, I really just bought singles. And you know the first album was that I can remember buying? This is really weird. So it would have been quite a long time after I'd been buying singles was because I remember buying Ballroom Blitz. I remember buying... Black Betty by Ram Jam. Uh-huh. I remember all of those. But I can't remember any album before I bought the mini cassette of models cut lunch. Oh, which we talked oh, about no. a couple of weeks back, didn't we? Yeah, with, with Atlantic Romantic, Two Cabs to the Two Can. Man of Action. Um, yeah, yeah. And I remember yeah. that. I loved it. So that and I also – Definitely not my first album, but the first album I really loved was the album by Flowers. Now, was it called Flowers? I'm not quite sure. No, it was called Ice House yeah. by Flowers. And then they so it might have been you know, called Ice House. House. Yeah. yeah. But I loved I loved that. I thought that was brilliant. And around that time, I also bought Little Heroes album, and I loved that. With, uh, with One Perfect Day on it. One perfect day, and um, a song about um, something about India. Um, yeah, there were a few really good songs on that. I, lo- I just I love going to see them at Macy's and Flowers. Yeah. So yeah, those sort of albums and songs. Okay, okay. So if you had to pick one, which one? Which one is is it? The Flowers album or the Little Heroes album? Well, I, no, I'll take my first enormous pleasure that I got from anything was Ballroom Blitz, the single. God, uh, there you go. I think there's there might be two of the original bands still alive. Yeah, good on them. I think Andy Scott's still alive, and I think Mick Tucker's still alive. Yeah, and given that they're a glam rock band, and there's no stories about them doing any kitty fiddling, I'm pretty pleased with. Them. <laughs> I'm pretty yeah. pleased with my choice. Yeah, no, I don't. I don't think there was any of that going on with Sweet. Though I remember seeing them at, at Festival Hall in Brisbane. They were bloody good. They were actually really good. Um, oh yeah, loved uh, them. Yeah, they were, they were very, very good live. I enjoyed them live. I took my little brother along, and uh, he um, he he lost his shit, but um, <laughs> that was all right. Um, your first album, Brian. What was it? Well, my first album was something my brother encouraged me to get because I think he wanted it. And we joined a record club and he got Led Zeppelin 4 and I got Cosmos Factory. Oh, nice. (coughs) Which is, you know, you you, you hang your hat on that. That's a pretty good album to start with. But the first record I bought um, was about seven and it was by the Royal Guardsmen and it was Return of the Bloody Red Baron, you know. Snoopy shoot down the bloody Red Baron. But to me, you know, okay, I had a story, Snoopy was a thing, so it made pop music very accessible. Um, it was a bit like a Wiggles song. But the best part was that it said a swear word, bloody. <laughs> and, you know, for a seven-year-old, that was 
reminiscent of when I was 18 and he's Johnny Rotten saying fuck all over the Sex Pistols record, <laughs> which I also enjoyed. So the Royal Guardsman, because it said a swear word and I could sing it because it, and that was acceptable. So it was uh... enabling me to swear. So, um, so that's, yeah, you know, it was a good story and stuff, but I think the word bloody was really the, that's the selling point. For and radio, so, uh, be- radio actually beeped that song. They they beeped yeah, it. They did, yeah. yeah. Radio was full of songs that were beeped at that stage. It beeped uh, the Ballad of John and Yoko, Christ in that was beeped oh. out. Oh yeah, um, crucified me probably got a no, no, no. Too. They just they just beeped the Christ out, and I still, for the life of me, can't work that out. But uh, yeah, but I, me- I do remember hearing um, the the, the uh, what yeah. was called. Um, what was uh, the, the Royal Guards. Yeah, they're all guards. I remember hearing them and hearing the song beeped on the radio and thinking, that's a bit weird. You know, he's saying bloody. He's just, you know, wasn't anything. And the cover had a picture of a, a cartoon of the Red Baron and Snoopy yeah. on it. So, you know, for a kid, it was like, well, it looks like a children's book and it says bloody and it's got a nice little melody and a little story. So, you know, that won me over. Yeah, I bought singles long before. I had a stack of singles, you know, probably 30 singles before I bought my first album because that was a major purchase, buying an album. Um, and six I, bucks, seven bucks. I think it was six bucks. I bought Sgt. Yeah. Peppers. Um, and that, that kind of, you know, that felt to me like I'd parted with, for a start, I'd parted with buying about, so I think singles at that stage were about 50 cents or thereabouts. Wow. So instead of buying sort of, you know, um, Twelve singles. I bought one album, but I was convinced that it was there was a couple of songs on it that I loved, and I thought, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll take the punt, and because it was the Beatles and all that, so I, I did. It, it's certainly not. I don't reckon it's their best album by in terms of the songs on it, um, but as yeah. an album, it had so many interesting things going on. I, I was fascinated by it. I mean, even silly songs like "Lovely Rita" and "Being for the Benefit of Mr. Kite" and those kind of what some people refer to as novelty-type songs, but then you get a song like When I'm 64 and you go, well, hello, that's, um, that's pretty pretty good. And then um, She's Leaving Home, which I thought was just a fabulous song. Um, yeah. Lucy and the Sky of Diamonds was, you know, that was obviously on a – and with a little help from my friends, which I must admit I do like the um, the Beatles version and I love the Joe Cocker version. But, uh, yeah, had a lot, a lot of really interesting little bits and pieces going on with that. With that uh, album, so I, I was I was pleased that that's the one. Not because it's a you know benchmark album, but it was an album that interested me, and I wasn't disappointed with it when I got it. I was with a lot of other albums I bought post that, where you get two good songs and then four reasonable ones, and then three absolute shit filler ones, and you wonder what the hell the band were thinking. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it, look, it's a, it's a really good. Album having your first album, Kev. I'd be pretty proud of that. Yeah, no, I, I was. Uh, I always thought. I always thought it was but, a good, good album. But you make an interesting point that that was a really interesting album. They experimented that on Revolver, and they had backward shit, and they got orchestras and strange sounds and shit going. They should have done some of that with the new one. It's just too conservative yeah. the way the new one's recorded. Well, they see the the, the, the one stuff. The, the one Put track on do whatever you whatever going to say, the, like. the one track on Peppers that I didn't was within you and without you, which was the Harrison song with all the sitars and all Ravi, what's his name, and yeah, all, yeah, all, yeah. all those people playing on it. Was like I went, oh, hang on, no, no, that's not that's not that's not the Beatles I want to hear. Um, 
but the way that developed as it went on in the next couple of years after Peppers with the way George's music went was actually really interesting. And then he, you know, writes a song like well, something. It's an interesting song, that, because it, it's a concept album, even though John Lennon says it's not. There's two songs written about the concept of Sergeant Pepper, and that's about it. But in a um, orchestral piece, you often have discordant bits that are just pretty disconcerting to listen to so that when the release comes afterwards and this beautiful piece of music afterwards, it really has even more impact. And I think Within You, Without You is a bit like that. It's just like this bit that's like, oh, what the hell's going on here? And then bang, it breaks into something beautiful afterwards. So, I, yeah, I, look, I actually hated Within You, Without You, but now I can sort of see it Place. Yeah, I'm exactly the same. At the time, though, when the album came out, it was like, that's not the Beatles I want to hear. Um, yeah, yeah. And, right. and, of course, A Day in the Life is just a classic song. All right, uh, first pet finding? Well, I mean, the family always had a dog. But when I was 17, I bought my first dog. And what? unlike most people who just have a pet dog, I bought a racing whippet. Because me and two mates, now the Whippet Racing Club of Victoria were huge and we loved racing. And I bought this beautiful dog, Snowy, with Greetings Terminus by Bellamy Lass. Her racing name was Bellamy Snow. She was a great race dog. She won countless Whippet Racing Club of Victoria races. She raced at Sale and won. And and at Horsham. And... She was just the love of my life. She was very intelligent. She was a gorgeous white whippet with a little brown patch on her tail, but basically all white. She was, we used to put a cape on her, a little Superman cape, <laughs> and she'd run out with the Caulfield Footy Club for a couple of seasons as their mascot. And she looked like Crypto. <laughs> the, you know, Superman, Superboy, Superman had a dog on the in the cartoons, Crypto. Yep. Looked just like her, just like that, and she used to run out with the team, and they loved her, and yeah, she was great. They're a beautiful, beautiful uh, natured animal, whippets. Yeah, yeah, and she was a, a loved being a, a pet, but got into the trial track or the race track, and she was all business and loved racing. Absolutely loved it. Oh, okay, that, that was her life, you know, and she just adored racing and chasing that lure and running against other dogs. And when she won, she'd prick her ears up and was proud as punch. And when she got beaten, she was downcast. Oh, she was a great dog. Oh, wow. There you go. Little snowy. Ah, very good. Uh, Brian? Well, uh, we had a family dog, which we got on the day that Cassius Clay won the uh, gold medal, I think, in the Olympics. Um, He's a black dog, so we called him Cassius. Um, which was unusual because most of the people who had a black dog in them days called the dog with the N-word. Oh, right. You yep. don't have to say, but there was lots of dogs called the N-word and that was just totally acceptable in Australia in 1955 or whenever it was. Um, but that wasn't really my pet. So my first pet was actually a goldfish. And like finding, I put a little cape on the goldfish <laughs> and offered him to be, you know, the you know the mascot for the local netball team. Unfortunately, little Goldie um, 
he, he put his balance out of whack, and next thing you know, he's floating upside down on top of the water. <laughs> and what we had to do was move the cape over him so it was a shroud and <laughs> he was good to go. But um, a goldfish, most boring, boring pet you can have. Have you got fish in your uh, in your place now, Brian? Uh, might have a bit in the freezer, Kev, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> right. <laughs> Terrific. Uh, now, we, uh, I think everyone has, every family, when we were growing up, the three of us, all had a, every family had a dog at some stage. I've got a photo of me with my dad when I'm about seven or eight, I reckon, with a dog. I don't remember that dog at all. Um, it was when... Uh, in the Air Force days at Laverton, so and I do not remember that dog at all. The first dog I remember is the one that actually came with the service station when we bought the service station uh, in uh, in Strathpine. It was a roadside uh, service station, so it had a cafe and the and the servo, and then a a loo bay where you could get the car serviced next door to it. But this, uh, and then you lived at the back of the uh, back of the thing. You had a loo bay. Yeah, I didn't think Lube Bay was going to get get past and keep her. Well, you lube the cars <laughs> up, you. God, fair to come, you too, honestly. Oh, God. <laughs> I, would have been, I, would, I would have been there every every second weekend. <laughs> you too, honestly. So what, did you work in the Lube Bay camp? No, I worked on you, the driveway. Did you make hamburgers it, inside? I was, I was making and eating hamburgers inside and serving on the driveway. I never went into the Lube Bay at all, Brian. That was for the that was for the grown ups where they took their car and got it fixed up. You didn't even sneak a peek into what no. was happening in the no, Lube Brian. Bay. No, Brian, I didn't. Uh, I, because I tell I tell you what. I mean, I, it now rings a bell because there were many, many lubed up truckers in Strathpine. <laughs> Happy, happy men. Uh, uh, so the dog came with the service station and we none of us were very happy about the uh, inheriting this dog because it was a St. Bernard and it, it was a big, slobbering, um, enormous, there's such a big dog and uh, and Toby was a, was a massive dog, but he came with the service station. He was as placid and as beautiful a dog as you'd ever want to meet in your life. He was just an absolute beauty. We all loved him in the end. Um, he gravitated more to my my older brother than he did probably me and my younger brother. My younger brother was, I think, tortured the poor bloody thing. Uh, but we all loved him in the end, and it was uh, yeah, it, that's that's the dog that um, is, is the first that I that I remember because I can't remember the one it, in it, Melbourne. It, did you ride him, Kev? Well, you almost could, almost could have. Exactly my little my, right. little my little brother probably could have because he's five years younger than me, and that, well, I was about. Paul would have been about seven or eight at that stage. So, yeah, Paul just about could have thrown a, a saddle on him and ridden him at Flemington, I can tell you. He's a, he was a monster oh, okay. dog. Big, slobbery, bloody things they are, but he was he was a beautiful dog. You don't want him anywhere near the couch or your jeans. Oh, no. No, you don't. No. What's that? What was that Saint Tom Bernard, Hanks film? We always had a St. Bernard wandering around, slobbering on everybody. Yeah, they do. Sl- they have oh, the dreadful slobberers. Right. And speaking of which. Too. They can fart like a. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember that. Fortunately, that that's yeah, not something. Brussels sprouts and cabbage for tea. <laughs> Gorgeous. Uh, now, the first time you got drunk, Barney. Yeah, I couldn't really recall that, but I, I, I do remember one time. We used to hang out. We fourteen or fifteen, and we a group of us used to walk the streets a bit, and um. 
you know, somebody would produce a pack of cigarettes and definitely in that era there was a night where somebody had gone into the old their folks' liquor cabinet and we were hanging around near the Caulfield Cemetery. We used to dare each other to go in there. It was pretty scary. We'd, and I got home. I'd been drinking some rocket fuel. Yeah. And the room started spinning and I called for mum to come. She produced a bucket and I was horribly sick, horribly sick. And it probably was, you know, I reckon the first time I had a bet, I won. And (laughs) I wish I would have lost because I've enjoyed betting ever since. (laughs) But it was a good experience, my first proper drink because, you know, I've, I've drunk since then, of course, um, but I, I do not like getting blind drunk and it probably kept me from kept me from drinking a lot that first experience because it was a nightmare. So I would say around 14 or 15, drunk on somebody else's parents could have been anything. Yeah. I know it tasted terrible and I know I hated it. So that's me. Brian? Um, well, my dad had a mate called Arthur Gleeson and we used to go and visit their family all the time. And he had three daughters, Jeanette, Bernadette and Marianne. Anyway, my brother was doing his own thing. So I'm there with the girls and I'm the youngest, you know, I'm about 12 or 13. And, you know, these girls, are, you know, 16, you know, they're older than me. And they're sort of thinking, oh, yeah, let's have a bit of fun with this place. <laughs> and, um, so... They gave me a little drink of, they're going through the parents' liquor cabinet while the parents are inside getting shit faced. And I have a little bit of blackberry nip and something else, something else. And I gotta say, it was the most fun I think I'd ever had. I think, wow, this is fantastic. <laughs> and, um, and, you know, I remember driving off, I wasn't sick. It was just like, wow, I'm having such a good time. Yay. And I'm waving and my mum, she's onto it. She goes, I'm just cool it a bit with those. She knows. And then um, she gives me an aspirin before I go to bed because that will help me with the hangover. And the next morning when I'm complaining about how thirsty I am, she goes, shush, don't let your dad hear that. That's a sign of having a hangover. Um, But, yeah, it was a really unexpected and um, a really good experience. My my second experience ended up in vomit, but the first <laughs> experience was great. Yeah, I'm a bit like Finey's. Mine was, mine was <laughs> some cheap uh, ginger-flavoured uh, shit that we got. Green in, ginger ale. No, it was, there was some gingery, something um, like you could buy for about a, a dollar a bottle in the bottle shop, and I think we – we seconded a couple of the older boys. We were at a dance. We seconded a couple of the older boys to go and get it for us. I think it might have been the older brother or one of the blokes I was knocking around with at the time um, in Patriot. Uh, it wasn't a school dance. I think it was a, a couple of bands playing, uh, very forgettable bands. And we went there, sort of hanging around, trying to you know impress the girls and as you do, and uh, got bored with that because we weren't doing any good because we were obviously nerds. So we went and uh, got uh, whoever it was, his older brother, to get us a bottle of whatever it was, and then we sat and drank it. I got home. I I don't ever remember being as crook as I was 
and my mother going, Kevin, Kevin, have you been drinking? Kevin, have you been drinking? No, Mum. No, Mum. Uh, clearly she could smell it on me a mile away. Um, uh, no, Mum. No, of course not, Mum. No, no, no. Uh, got into bed and uh, a la Fine, uh, the room was doing 360s uh, and uh, and so was my stomach and then next minute I'm in the toilet throwing up like this, no tomorrow, and still Mum behind me going, Kevin, have you been drinking? Uh, Mildred, Mildred didn't give up those those things, and I'm still saying no, Mum, no, Mum, of course not. I'm just just must have been something I ate, uh, and uh, got the rounds of the kitchen the next morning, and uh, yeah, so that was, I think it was about thirteen or fourteen tops. And you lied to your mother. Yeah, I did. Um, and, and I didn't lie to Dad because Dad didn't ask. <laughs> Dad, yeah. Dad, Dad was smart enough not to ask that question because he already knew the answer to that question. There was no point. But Mum wanted the Catholic guilt to, to run to run the Catholic guilt past me. Uh, oh, that's her job. That's yeah, her yeah job. exactly that's right. Exactly right. So it was uh, now. Now the next morning. I mean, the next morning she. Uh, so are you going to tell you were drinking, weren't you? <sighs> yes, Mum. What were you drinking? Well, I don't know. It was some shit in a bottle and it tasted awful and we just drank it and I'm sorry. And that was the end of that, fortunately. Now, Good mother. Finally, has got to go to a uh, a dinner appointment that he has. Oh, hello. hello. Where are you going? No, no, I'm cooking dinner for everybody. Yeah. On the farm. So. What are you cooking? Knocking up a big paella. Oh, nice. Oh, okay. Oh, this is your you specialty too. This is Have your everybody. Now, is it the prop one? Uh, yeah, I've got the, I brought the big paella. Oh. Well, totally authentic. All right. Beautiful. It's a wood fire yeah. with the dish. Yep. Correct. All right. That's great. We've got the big fire. I'll show you. Yeah, send us yeah. a photo. Send us a photo and we'll share it on uh, the social media platforms. All right, well, that's it, boys. Uh, it's a it's a special uh, microwave version of the uh, of the podcast because it's a it's a holiday and it's a short working week and all those things. So, uh, have a lovely cup day, or I hope you had a lovely cup day, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you, boys. Beautiful. Bing. Good night, John boy. That's the microwave. That's the microwave turning off. Bing. Here we go. See that? Here we go. Oh, here we go. There's, oh, look oh, at this. Have a look at this. You're in heaven. Yep. 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 So I better get to work. All right, get to work. See you, Finey. See you, Brian. Uh, See you, boys. Go Bye. out and hunt some animals and kill them. <laughs> yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, well, we, we put them in the defilizer next week. See you, boys. Okay. Right. See Bye. you, boys. Bye. You've just experienced rock and roll. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. 